0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo.
1: Y'all doing all right this morning? All right, good deal, good deal. We're glad to have you. Welcome to all the parents who are here for Family Day from Tennessee Tech. We're glad to have you. Uh, It's great to be packed in here like sardines. And uh, just to tell you, just want to encourage you, we have an 8 o'clock service with plenty of room. So if you're like, man, I'd like to have more elbow room, our 8 o'clock, we started it about a year and a half ago during COVID, and it's gone from 23 people to like 150, so there's like some critical mass now. So love to have you. It's the same service as we do here. So, and then the eleven fifteen usually has space, plenty of space as well. So, uh, but I know how it is. You get your groove right. You got your place. You get your time. That's what works best for you. We're glad you're here, watching online. Glad you're watching. I hope you come back uh, to the services live. God's doing some cool stuff live. I always love to be here because I get to meet people and see people. I just saw somebody they came and said hi to me. They were here when we started the church 20 years ago, and now their daughter is going to college here. How cool is that? Isn't that cool? And so it was great to catch up there and just talk about what all the Lord's up to because he's doing neat things that we get to be a part of. Matter of fact, in our community, God's doing some neat things. Uh, We recently had some folks come together and say, you know what, we need to start praying for our community. And so across denominational lines, different uh, folks got together and said, let's let's just meet at Dogwood Park. Last week, we met at Dogwood Park, and we just said, all we're gonna do is pray. Let's, we got a shot of that picture of the folks that were here at Dogwood to pray. Dogwood's right downtown, so this is us praying. You notice everybody's got their umbrellas up because it was, it was misting and raining, and then as soon as we got done singing and worshiping, we broke into prayer, and this last picture is the picture when I came out from under the, the cover, I was like, Wow, I got to get a picture of that. I mean, that almost looks like I photoshopped that, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, you're going, okay, pastor, you're pulling my leg. No, this, literally I walk out, somebody's like, hey, look at the rainbow. Now, I'm not saying this is a sign from God, but I'd be foolish to say it's not. Amen? I was like, okay, God, maybe you're happy when your people come together and pray. I am. It was a great time. Wasn't a great time, Tom. Praying together with people, different churches, all over the place. It was a great time. So we're going to do it tonight and next week as well. Tonight at six p.m., next Sunday night at six, and I think we're going to call it at that. Just trying not to make it where it's something that we're just uh, we're, we're just trying to hear from the Lord and go week by week. So if you're available or you want to make yourself available tonight at six, come join us downtown at Dogwood Park as we pray, and we're just asking God to do a work had somebody come in that, that didn't know about it. And they're like, what are all these people doing here? What are, you, are y'all protesting something? <laughs> we're like, no. I said, we're just we're just singing songs to Jesus and we're praying together for the blessing of our city. I was, and I handed them a prayer sheet. I said, would you like to join us? They're like, no, that's good. I just want to see what was going on. I was like, okay, well, hey, next time, maybe they'll get to stay. Uh, but but it was a neat time, and I just encourage you, the two to three hundred people that were there. Uh, it was it was neat to pray across different churches and uh, just praying for our city and for our leaders. And we're going to do the same thing tonight. Well, today we're going to talk about such a wonderful subject. It's called suffering. Don't we all love talking about suffering? Uh, the book of James says, "Count it all joy, brothers." when you go through trials and tribulation. Isn't that your first thought when when you have a car accident? Like, Lord, thank you. I count this joy for this car accident. No, we don't think that way, do we? So why is the author saying that? Well, we're going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and we wound up in Job this week. Now, Job is an interesting book. Uh, You gotta read it from cover to cover. I just gotta tell you, you gotta start at the beginning of Job and go through the end of Job, Otherwise, you may be so depressed you don't ever wanna read the Bible again. You can't stop halfway. I mean, you gotta get the whole story of Job to really understand what it's about. Uh, and so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go from Job 1 to Job uh, the end, I think it's 42, all in one day. Okay, are you ready? Now let me start by giving you some proper Hebrew that I learned when I was seven years old. When I was seven years old, I got invited to go to vacation Bible school. I didn't grow up in church, so uh, this whole Bible thing was new to me. And we were memorizing the different books of the Bible in vacation Bible school. And I remember my friend Julie, we're practicing them before the school picked us up the second day. And we're going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Well, we got to Job, and I said, of course, Job. Exactly, J-O-B is what? Job. Anybody's got a teenager. Know we said that to you, right, guys? Get a job, right? And, and so, J O B was job. So I'm like saying the verses, the the books, and I said job, and she goes, Oh no, no, that's Job. Well, I'd never been to church before, so I thought she was playing a trick on me. I thought she was trying to make fun of me, like I didn't know how to say it. So I'm like, Oh no, J O B is job. I know what that is. That's job. She's like, no, no, it's pronounced Job. I was like, no, no, Job would have an E on it. I took class, right, right? So for those of you who are like me and and you always wondered why Job was only spelled J-O-B, it's just the way they pronounced it, and so that's just the way it is. So when you go through your Bible and you say, uh, you think God's asking you to, to get a job, that's not what it is. That's the fella's name, and that's the guy that we're gonna study today. Now, when it comes to suffering, Oftentimes, when we go through these hard seasons, what do we say? Why me? Why me, Lord? Why, why am I the one having to go through the broken relationship when I tried so hard to have a great marriage? Why me, Lord, am I having to go through a broken relationship with my sibling when I'm not the one that did the other person wrong? Why me, Lord, am I the one having to get fired from my job when I was the one that was actually working and everybody else was goofing off just because I was the last one hired. Why me, Lord, am I the one that has the car accident and, and the breakdown of my vehicle when I'm actually trying to provide for my family and trying to get my head above water? Why me? Anybody ever ask that question? Can I see a show? I actually want to see a show of him. Can I see Okay, okay. We, so we wrestled with that. Well, Job went through this suffering. And there's a point where he challenges God. We're not gonna get to cover it all, but where he... He literally says to the Lord, why me, you know, well, all this stuff going on, God, why did you do this? Well, but he didn't start out that way. So as we're looking at this question, Matthew chapter five, verse 43 to 45, Jesus, we're gonna start in Matthew and then jump back to Job, okay? In Matthew, Jesus is sharing what they call the Sermon on the Mount. Why did he get such a name? He was on a Mount and he gave a sermon. There you go, creativity, Right? So Jesus gives a sermon on the mount, and in it he's talking about love for your neighbor. In verse 43, it says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives a sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. So what do you see there? It says God loves everybody, so therefore the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The blessings and the problems get spread out across all people. That's just the way it is. That's what happens. And so when we choose to serve the Lord, it's not like this umbrella that we walk around, meaning we will no longer get rain to fall upon us. It doesn't mean if we have a prayer meeting that the rain won't come. I'm telling you, if you're praying against farmers, I put my money on them any day of the week. You know what I'm saying? And so when we went, we were talking about having the the prayer meeting and we said, well, what if it rains? And we discussed and said, you know what? If it rains, it rains. Let's just meet anyway. And I'm so glad because I'm sure we would have called it and gone somewhere else or just canceled it because of the forecast and the rain that was coming when we got there. And we would have missed a beautiful night with an amazing rainbow reminding us of God's promises that he gives. And so to start with, just so you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Blessings come to all. Challenges and suffering come to all. So we just start there. And so then we say, well, if that's the case, what do we do? Well, I hope that we can learn Now, from Job, what we do when hard times come. So let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God to speak to us. Lord, uh, I've been through my share of sufferings, and everybody in this room has had something. And, Lord, the temptation in our flesh is just to get mad, say, why me? And sometimes, Lord, when we do that, we miss the blessing that you want to give us. And so I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me for those that are going through really difficult season right now. I pray that you give them permission to grieve, permission to weep, to, to express their frustration and hurt before you, but also the strength to persevere in their faith. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you got your listening guide there that we hand you when you come in? The first thing... Uh, It's also on on your phone, by the way, too, if you ever want to just pull up the River app. First thing is continue to wrestle with God in prayer about your pain. Uh, One thing I love about the book of Job is what you see is that Job and God have this dialogue, and Job's not afraid to express his his frustration, his disappointment. We're gonna start in Job 1 through 22. Now, let me tell you what's happened. Job has been blessed in his life in chapter 1, he has a great family, he loves the Lord so much, he prays so much that he even prays for his kids that if they make a mistake and they sin, that God will forgive them for that, okay? That's how close this guy is. He's really intentional about his prayer life, and and then all of a sudden, God is in heaven, is the way it's described, uh, with Satan, the accuser, and other angels, And God brags about Job and says, do you see my my son Job? He's such a wonderful man of God. And Satan says, well, that's only because you gave him everything good. Of course he's gonna like you. And God says, well, uh, you are free to do anything, but you can't take his life. And so then this calamity falls Job. Uh, In one day, he loses all his finances, his family, except his wife, which he probably would have liked to donate her, and uh, she, she, does, she does not perform well in this story, uh, and nor, nor do his friends either. So we'll see that. So he goes through this calamity, and then this is his response in verse 20 22. It says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin by blaming God. So at this initial moment, he has all this happen to him all at once. And the first thing it said was he grieved. I think sometimes we think it's unspiritual to grieve. That when someone dies, that we're supposed to just, celebrate the fact that they're in heaven, and that if we grieve and we hurt, that somehow we're unspiritual. And nothing could be farther than the truth. God created you as a human. He designed you with emotions. And part of that is so that when you go through a, a brokenness, a death, a broken relationship, that you have the ability to deal with it through these emotions that he's given you. So grief is a God-given thing. And Job grieves. He's grieving. I mean, he's lost his children. He is broken before God. And so first thing I want you to see is when you go through these difficult seasons, you don't have to put the Jesus face on and pretend like you're somebody you're not. You don't have to pretend like you're okay when everybody else is falling apart around you. It's okay to grieve. God has wired you to be healthy when you grieve. Now, how you grieve, you know, is different. Whether you grieve by keeping your eyes on God, knowing that he will carry you through this, or grieve saying there is no hope anymore and give up. That's the difference. Job kept his eye on God. He wrestled with God in this grief, but he kept his eyes on God and trusted that he would continue to believe and trust and not give up. Second thing, Keep your integrity and faith in God. So skip down to Job chapter 2, verses 7 to 10. So Satan now has gone back to God, and God said, see, my servant Job, he's amazing. He's staying faithful. And Satan says, that's only because you haven't allowed me to touch him. You let me mess with him, he'll turn his back to you in a nanosecond. I don't think that word's in there, but you get the idea. He'll turn his back on you, God. So Job 2, 7 to 10, Satan's gonna bring boils to Job's body. It says, so Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. So Job is in such a dark place that literally there are boils all over his body. So he's unclean. He's not even allowed to worship with other followers of God at that time. He's separated from other people because of this sickness. They don't know what it is. And he literally is taking a broken pot and he's scraping his boils. Pretty disgusting in my picture, you know? But that's what he is doing, just trying to scrape the boils off his body. And his wife walks in, she's like, look, just curse God and die. Give up. Let me tell you, when you're going through suffering, not everybody's gonna give you good advice. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? And some of the naysayers in your life and some of the people who do not believe in the power of God are gonna say, why do you even believe in this God? You got more problems than your atheist next door neighbor. He's still got his job. He's still got his wife. You've lost your wife. You lost your job. You lost your kids. You lost all your stuff. Why do you continue this on? And sadly, Job's wife was a, a negative Nelly, right? She's like telling him to give up. But Job kept his faith, and he kept trusting in the Lord. And his phrase he gives us here, this is something you could like put above your mirror and remember in verse 10, he says, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never bad? So in all this, Job did nothing wrong. I was talking to a man that I respected 20 years ago. He was a a church planner, and... As I got to know him, I was like, this guy's really, really an amazing guy. And as I talked to him more and more, he was mentoring me in church planting. And I asked him, I said, can you share with me your story? He said, yes. And we started talking. He started talking about his angel, he called her. I said, well, who was your angel? He said, it was my daughter. He said, my wife and I, we call her the angel because she was the one that brought us to Jesus. He said, when she was two years old, she died. And we were not following Jesus. We didn't know Jesus. And we were broken to our core. And he said, through her death, we had people reach out to us and love us in the name of Jesus. And he said, in our brokenness, we found hope to carry on. And he said, both of us gave our lives to Christ, and it changed everything. It changed the way we raised the next three kids we had. It changed the direction of our lives. So we call her our angel because had she not gone to heaven early, we would not have known the love of God. So we can't wait to see her when we get there and to tell her what an impact she had. Now, that, that is a different perspective, right? You could take that perspective and that, I mean, that situation and go, wow, two years old. It'd be easy to give up on life altogether at that point. Two years old, it would be easy to throw up your hands and go, why God, why me, why me? Or you could take that perspective and go, can God bring good even out of the most horrible, horrible situation? And I believe, yes, he can. Why do we have the book of Job in the Bible? I remember my mom said to me, she said, I don't like that book. I said, why is that, Mom? She said, look what God put him through. It's miserable. She said, I wouldn't want to go through that. I said, I agree, I don't. I said, but I find so much hope from the book of Job that he stood faithful when he went through so much more than I've ever been through. I said, I think God gave us the book of Job because he knew that all of humanity for the rest of time would go through suffering And that this book would be a word of hope for all of us. And if I've got to go through suffering, I think we, those of us that that have family members that we love deeply, if I've got to go through suffering that my family comes out on the better side of life all the way around, I'm willing to take that. And I think most of us are if we see that it's gonna make an eternal difference for our friends and family. And so with Job, he did that. And, and yet, man, it's hard. It's hard in death because it's final on this earth. Now, we still have the promise of heaven, but it's hard. One of my best friends, Jeff Davidson, died around five years ago. He was on staff with us here. He founded a ministry with his wife called Rising Above. He was in his prime. He was in his 40s, leading this ministry, caring for special needs kids. Got sick, and he just couldn't get better, eventually dying at a young age. And I'll I'll just be honest. I, I I was more angry about his death than anybody else's in my life. I was more hurt than anybody else's. And yet God used Jeff's own words to comfort me. And Jeff, as a father of a special needs son, wrestled with the pain that he had walked through as a dad. And he had a phrase that he used. He said, I have learned that even when I don't understand God's actions, I can trust his love. And I've held to that. I've held to that statement because there's sometimes I don't understand God's action. Now, Job if you read Job there's a place where Job basically is questioning God's action and Job gets an answer from God that's a little bit uh, a little bit bold. God basically says Job, no he doesn't say basically, he says, "Job, brace yourself like a man. I'm about to give you your answer." And the answer he gives Job is, "Job, were you there when I formed creation?" do you understand where the water comes from the ocean and the rain and the ice? He said, listen, I'm God. I'll take care of running the universe. And that's kind of what I've had to lean into. It's like, Lord, I don't understand why some people I love are taken early. I don't understand why Cookville gets hit by a tornado. I don't understand why a lot of things. But I've learned to trust in God's love and his character even in those seasons. I believe Job showed us that. He gave us that insight. Well, the third is uh, weigh your friends' advice against the Bible. Not all of your friends' advice is good, okay? Now, they start off, Job's friends start off really good. Look at Job 2, 11 to 13. They start off really good. It says, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together, traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar so the Namite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust in the air all over their heads to show their grief. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. So what did they do here? They showed up. The friendship ministry of presence is huge. They got it right in the beginning. They showed up and said, Job, we are here for you. And they sat down and mourned with him. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They joined Job in this hard moment. Listen, I get asked all the time by people, hey, how do you love on your friends and family when there's a great loss? How do you love them well? I I don't know the words to say. This is a great example to us. The ministry of presence. At the very least, be there. With a phone call, be there. With a visit, you may not know what to say. Sometimes you might just need to sit down with them and say, hey, I don't know what to say in this, but I'm here. Let me know if there's anything you need. Now, those that have been through grief, those that have been through those hard seasons, is that not what means the most, knowing somebody is really there? Now, I'm not, I I, I like flowers. My wife loves flowers. I I like them. I mean, they die, so they're kind of useless to spend money on. But anyway, (laughs) but she loves them, so they're not useless, right? Sorry if I insulted anybody. Okay. Uh, But flowers come and go, right? And letters are nice, but when somebody shows up and they put their arm around me and said, hey, I I don't know what you're going through, but I am here for you. Can I pray for you? And it's very humbling for me. I've had some hard seasons. And it's so much a blessing. Listen, even your pastor needs prayer. And it's been cool that sometimes people that I've led to Christ, when I've walked through a hard season, have been the one to put their arm around me and say, hey, can I pray for you, Steve? I'm like, yes, yes, please, please pray. So these guys, they started out so good. I mean, they even spent seven days. I mean, that's a good friend, right? But then they made a mistake. They opened their mouths. So if you're gonna give bad advice, it's better to give no advice, okay? And the bad advice they gave was basically this. Job, your problems are because you've sinned. I have walked families through the hurt of being told that the reason their child died was because the parents must have sinned. And having friends tell them that. I walked people through the, the hurt of being told the reason that their child was the one that was in the car accident was because their child sinned. And this was obviously judgment. Although the kid was just going to the store to pick up groceries for mom and dad. We need to understand the theology of this, okay? Bad things happen to all people, Period. Does anybody know a soul that is still living that's over 200 years old? See, it's unanimous. Everybody dies. So therefore, everybody will suffer. The people that love them will suffer. Suffering is universal to all of us. And so don't try to find the answer as much as loving them in the journey. Okay? So it says, it says, stop. This is his friend. He says, stop and think, Job. Do the innocent die? Well, actually, yes, they do, don't they? But that was his advice. When have the upright been destroyed? Well, you want the book or the list, right? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest evil the same. This was a theology of God that said that if bad things are happening to you, it must be that you're a bad person, and that's why trouble's coming to you and not me. That's bad theology. That's a bad understanding of God. Now, don't get me wrong. Does God bring discipline throughout the Bible? Yes, he does. Can that be a part of it? Sure it can but suffering comes to all people, so we must understand. Now, last week, I made a statement. I said, I was talking about the brokenness of the world and brokenness of people, and I said, and so if there's brokenness, there must be sin. And I'm so glad this person came up to me and goes, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, can't there be brokenness if it's not your fault? I said, yes, if it's not your fault. I'm just saying that when sin came into the world in Genesis 2, Before Genesis 2, there was no brokenness at all. God created a perfect world. He created perfect people, and they chose to sin. And in that, Genesis 2, you see the curse that comes upon the world and man and woman and mankind. So please forgive me if you heard me say last week that the reason there's brokenness in your life is because you've sinned. I'm saying that the reason there's brokenness in this world is because sin has brought brokenness to this world. So... All right, and then uh, number four there. Oh, wait, wait, before I go to four, go back to Job 42, because this is kind of funny. Uh, God actually rebukes the friends and tells Job to pray for them. Look at Job 42, seven through nine. It says, after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to as the Timonite, I am angry with you and your two friends for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you've not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So life is the Timonite, Bildad the Shufite, and Zophar the Namanite did as the Lord commanded them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer." Now, here's what you see. Who is doing the ministry now? It's Job, isn't it? Because Job stayed close to the heart of God, and he was real with God, kept his relationship with God, now Job is the one that's ministering to his friends. Listen, if you will take what Satan means for evil and use it for good, God will give you a testimony that will make an impact to those around you. Because people expect you to believe in God when everything's going well for you. It's like Job. It's like Satan said about Job. He's like, oh, yeah, well, of course Job's going to believe in you, God. He's got the best job. He's got the best kids. He's got the best life. But when things aren't going as we want and we still believe and we still follow that's when we are a shining beacon of light that's different than everybody else. In first service, I had somebody come to me after the service, and they said, I want to tell you what God did this week. I want to testify. I was like, tell me. She said, I lost my job on Monday. And she said, I I was a little discouraged, but I really just felt like I turned it over to God, and God said, it's going to be okay. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll trust in you. She said, I left there and went to pick up a pie that I had ordered. And the lady's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? She said, I I just said, I'm doing fine. She said, but it's a little bit of a tough day. I have to admit, I just lost my job. She said, really, what happened? And she said, well, this changed, that changed. And what did you do? And she told her, she said, really? She said, we're hiring in this this same kind of job. Would you be interested? She said, sure. So she started on Thursday. (laughs) And she's like, I love it. You see, now she could have gotten discouraged and down and defeated and said, well, I don't have money for my pie. I'm not gonna go pick it up. I'm just gonna stay home and waller in it. But she didn't. I was like, sister, that's a great testimony. She was like, yeah. I said, go tell everybody. And she is. And that's what we need to do. When God brings us through this testimony, we need to tell that. Number four, persevere till the promise. Here on head earth or in heaven the promise may not come till we get to heaven persevere till the promise job 42 10 to 12 says this when job prayed for his friends the lord restored his fortunes in fact the lord gave him twice as much as before then all his brothers and sisters and former friends came and feasted with him in his home and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the lord had brought against him and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than the beginning. I don't know that you're gonna be blessed every time on this earth. There's a ministry called Voice of the Martyrs. It's a ministry that was started because so many Christians in other countries are murdered for their faith. So many pastors in other countries preach the gospel and they are Murdered for their faith. And so a believer in Christ said, Look, who's going to take care of those families if they die in their faith? And so they started this ministry called Voice of the Martyrs to support the families left behind when people are killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you read their stories, you can go online, you can download their stuff. It's, man, it's very humbling when you realize how many people do suffer and die for their beliefs. But the point is, this man that started this ministry, him and his wife, they had served in jails and prison in communist Romania when it was communist and had beaten, been beaten, tortured for years, wrote a book and started a ministry to do what? To help others that were going through the same, to find hope and I'll tell you God does not want to waste a hurt. Everybody in here goes through suffering. Everybody goes through trials. God does not want you to waste your hurt. He wants you to take what Satan meant to crush you and defeat you and he wants to turn it into what can bless and encourage and strengthen other people. Right before this service I talked to somebody and as I'm talking to him I'm like what are you what are you up to? How do you how do you connect with that person? He said, "Oh, you remember the trial that I went through in my life about a year and a half ago? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know how God brought me through that? I said, yeah. He said, well, somebody else is going through that same trial, and I've just been asking God to help me pour into them. I was like, go, Jesus, go. Folks, we get a chance to be that heart, that encouragement. The video that you saw that started before the service was James Patton, who was rescued out of drugs and alcohol, years of addiction. And God delivered him. And now he wants other people to be set free. He and Stephen Rafer and others in our church are are doing a relaunch of the ministry, recovery ministry on Tuesday night. If you know somebody that needs to be a part of that or if you want to be a part of helping with that, Tuesday night here, six o'clock, it's gonna be like an open house to talk about it and pray about it and brainstorm. God wants to take your hurt to help others in the same thing, to find hope when we persevere. Well, James 1.12 puts it this way. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, I don't know what that crown is. What's the crown of life? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't elaborate. But I don't know. It sounds kind of cool to me. I'm like, Lord, if I endure this temptation and trial, I get this crown, I'm in. And we may not get the crown until we get to heaven. It may be a figurative thing. I don't really understand. It doesn't really elaborate. But here's what I do know. When we enter the kingdom of heaven, the blessings that are gonna be there are well worth waiting And if that's the only hope that we have is eternity in heaven, I'm still in. I'm still in. And the last thing, true joy comes with God's grace in all circumstances. Job's wife wanted him to curse God and die. But he said, should we only accept the good things and not the bad as well? You're gonna have good and bad. And in those, can you show grace? Can you give grace? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10 wraps up with this. A man named Paul, one of the early followers of Christ, wrote this. He says, Even though I received such wonderful revelations from God, so Paul was like he wrote half the New Testament. He got taken into heaven for a period to see, to look around. He had a lot of cool stuff he got to see and do. He said, Even though I received such wonderful revelations from God, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best how? In weakness. Let me just pause there for a minute. Is it not true that so many times We draw closest to God when we're hurting. Isn't it true? God's power can can pour through us the most when we are most humble and willing to receive. Now, I don't pray for bad things to happen so God can get the glory, okay? I don't. Matter of fact, I I had a friend of mine one time in college. uh, Greg was his name, and he came to me one time. He said, Steve, do you feel like you you get away with too much in life? And I was like, no. <laughs> he said, I, I mean, like speeding or reckless driving. He usually, actually, used these phrases, speeding, reckless driving. When I was in high school, he said, I, I pretty much was wild as a buck, and I never got caught. My parents didn't know about it, and and uh, my friends got caught. They get trouble. but I always seemed to get off the hook. I said, really? I said, I didn't have that experience. He said, well, I did. He said, so I've been praying that God would, would just let me get caught when I do something wrong now. Okay, Greg, that's great. I'll just not hang around you for a while because I don't want any uh, God to like take aim and miss and hit me too, right? I was like, I, I prefer grace myself, not justice. He's like, well, I just feel like I've gotten away with so much that I really want to pray that God, when I do something wrong, that God brings judgment on me. I was like, okay, brother. The next day, (laughs) the next day he calls me up. He said, you won't believe what happened. I'm thinking, yeah, I will. (laughs) Yeah, i will tell me about. It. He said I was pulling out of the Baptist Student Union. I mean, this guy came my Bible studies and everything. He was he was all in with the Lord. I was pulling out of the Baptist Student Union and I stomped it just for fun. He said I burned rubber for about twenty feet. He said it was awesome until the blue lights came on. He said in the past I think I would have got a warning ticket. He said, but the guy wrote me up not just for that, but he gave me reckless driving. I got a court date. He was telling me how many hundreds of dollars he was gonna have to pay and how he didn't have the money because he's a poor college student. And I was like, yep. (laughs) You prayed for judgment. You got it, bro. How many times does God give us grace and we don't even realize it, amen? Right? But the one time we get judgment, it's like, oh yeah, all those people passing me, God, and I'm speed one time in my life and I get a ticket. Really? Really? I mean, Like, I just know if I get a ticket and I wasn't speeding, God's like, well, this makes up for the 3,437 times that you got away with it, right? It's like, come on, let's be honest. Nobody in here is innocent. We've all been shown grace. And I'm trying to flip my thinking in this, and instead of thinking, God, why me? And saying, why not me, Lord? If somebody's got to walk through this, that they can be an encouragement to others, Lord. Give me the strength to persevere. I'm not asking for it, Lord. I'm not wanting it. But if it is happening to me, Lord, help me walk through it in a way that I can reach back to somebody else who's hurting and help them walk through it as well. I'm gonna invite you to make a decision today to follow. I'm gonna invite you right now to stand up with me. And I I just wanna give you an invitation. For some of you today, you're just going through something and you're hurting bad and you just need someone to pray over you. Over here to my right are some kneeling benches. If you just want somebody to pray over you, then then come over here, and one of our staff, one of our deacons, one of our volunteers will just come and just say, how can I pray for you? And they'll pray over you, okay? Over here to my left, this side over here, this is if you want to pray and just connect with God on something but you really don't feel the need for someone else to pray over you. You just want to just talk to the Lord about something. In the back is a prayer room where you could go and there's a couple back there and they'll just listen and pray with you and you can take the time to unpack it. Now, when we get to this time, sometimes I feel like, I know because when I, the first time I I started to give my life to the Lord, I was sitting where you're sitting and I was too scared to come forward and I walked out of that church that day not going forward because I was afraid what my friend next to me would say. So let me let me ask this question. How many of you in your life, raise your hand if you've ever had problems? Anybody? Okay, look around. That's pretty much everybody. Okay. How many of you in your life is, have ever needed somebody to pray over you and encourage you? Okay? So if you come and you ask for prayer, you are not a freak show. Okay? This is how we do this When we follow Christ, we have others love on us in our time of need. We have others pray with us. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's the the power of the body of Christ that we have. So over here to my left, come. Over here to my right, in the back. And then I'll be down front. And if you have never found this grace that I've been talking about, this grace that God gives us, come forward and talk with me. and I'd love to help you discover the grace of Jesus Christ as they play sing or pray or come forward.
0: Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out therivercc.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.